Stand for the reading of God's word, please. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world to his Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, To him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except his feet but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his his outer garments again, he resumed his place and said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you. <sighs> Good morning. It is great to see you all. And uh, it's great to be here once again with my wife, yeah. who's a little busy right now. But uh, it's great to have her back here. It's great to have to move this down because there are too many tall people around here. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Yeah, that might have been self-serving. <laughs> Not at all. So it has been a pleasure to uh, to be with you. It's a pleasure to be with you again, as it always has been. And uh, we're in the middle of our series about family discipleship. And, uh, you know, as I was reflecting on this, I thought it ironic that... Pastor Dan let me preach on Father's Day, and I can't decide if he was doing it to bless me or just because uh, he thought it would be funny. (laughs) Both, that's what I thought. Because uh, the only thing I know right now about being a father is that I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, and that I'm literally just like throwing things against the wall and seeing if they stick. You know, it's all right, she's crying. All right, well, did I change her? Not yet. Let's change her. She's still crying. All right, that didn't work. All right, what now? Let's sing. No, she's crying louder. She hated that. All right, what now? Let's play some music. That didn't work. Okay. Is she hungry? No, she just ate a half an hour ago. All right, what else? Right? That's pretty much it. So that's all I know. My vast, amazing wisdom. You don't sleep that much, and you don't know what you're doing. All right? That's it. All right, let's all go home. But... One of the things I've noticed about being in a family, not just, you know, before Scarlet, even just being married, is that it is a lot like being in a church family. It's a lot like walking with God. There's a lot of investment. 
you know, we have uh, a tendency in the West because we think of things in very guilt, innocence way of looking at things. You know what I mean? We have, we have a lot of crime shows, and all the crime shows, it's not about what you've done, it's about what you can prove, right? It's about guilt and innocence and so on. So it's, it's how we think. So because of that, sometimes the relationship aspect of things in general kind of gets a little muddied, all right? And so when we think about our walk with God, a lot of times we think about how we're justified in Christ, right? And how his righteousness covers ours, and that's a beautiful story. But sometimes what's get, what gets lost is the relationship aspect that we must invest in. Otherwise, we don't know God. See, a lot of times when we love without truth, we love a mirror instead. Right? We don't have truth, so we just kind of fall in love with something else. Because we don't invest in our relationship. It's just like in our family lives. You know, we have members of our family, sometimes extended, sometimes not. Sometimes they live in our house. Those family members don't know us. Or we don't know them as well as we thought we did. Right? We project onto them things that we think are true about them. Right? Or things that we wish were true about them. And, and then we find ourselves cozying up to a person that isn't real. And then we can't figure out why they're not cozying back. Right. Well, we do this with God too. God, it's funny. And I have to, you know what? The Holy Spirit convicts me of this a lot too. He's like, John, is God really going to agree with you all the time? <laughs> I mean, no, no, offense, no offense meant at all. But if he agrees with me all the time, he's not God. So, the importance of minutes, the importance of spending time, is because we, we have trouble working with time. It is, it is the resource that we have that we never get back, right? Like, there's, there's always more money to be found. You know, we can go work as a janitor, we can go whatever. We can do whatever we have to do. There's always more money to be had. But once time is gone, it's gone. This is why trading too many dollars for hours is a mistake. Because they're not equally valuable. You have 10,080 minutes in a week. Everyone say 10,080. You spend 24, if you have a 40 hour week job, you spend 2,400 of those minutes, give or take, working. Now, some of us are more, some of us are less, okay? In theory, you get 3,360 minutes sleeping. Now, for me, that's closer to like 2,000 minutes right now. Thank you, Scarlett, very much. But, on average, about 3,000 minutes. Well, we talk about how little time we have, but let's do the math. If you have 10,080 minutes in a week, and you spend 24 to 2,800 of it working, and you spend 3,300 of it sleeping, you still got about 4,500 to 5,000 minutes, which is about three days. It's more time than you think. I, believe me, the Holy Spirit was talking to me about this the whole time I was thinking about it, I kind of didn't want to preach this sermon because I felt like a big fat hypocrite. 
But it's not like we don't have the time. We all have the same, we all have the same 10,080 minutes in a week. But we trick ourselves into thinking that we don't have time. Because what, we're, what are we doing? We're spending 1,000 hours watching television. Because we have to binge watch, you know, whatever it is. Because our lives will be so much richer if we know how, how Ted met his kid's mother. Our lives will be so much better. Our lives will be so much better if we have binge watched The Office for the 20th time. Our lives will be so much better if we can see how the guy took the mystery basket and chopped and won. That's me. My wife and I watched way too much chopped. It's starting to bleed into my real life kitchen life. The other day, I was like, oh, I'm feeling creative. I never feel creative in the kitchen, okay? So there's a little bit of a blessing. Are our lives really that much richer? Because that couple we've never met before and will never meet got the house that they've always wanted. It only took them a half hour. That's amazing. I wish it only took Emily and I a half hour to find a house. Like, oh, let's visit these ten houses in these ten minutes. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Right. But this is what we do. We need to see the guy eat the scorpion. We need to see the 10,000th Criminal Minds episode, right? How many times, how many times are we going to listen to someone say, oh, that person was murdered? But how many murder shows are there? There's a lot of murder shows. They were obsessed with them. We're obsessed with murder shows. We're obsessed with cops, right? There's like a million cop shows. And every cop show, there's always a murder. How we spend our minutes says a lot about what we love. If you want to know what a person's true love is, ignore what they say. Watch what they spend their time doing and how they spend their money. By the way, if you do this with politicians, you will ignore everything they say and probably never watch the news again. Yeah, it's a good idea anyway. I mean, how, how much richer are our lives listening to the 10,000th lie we might hear from some random news channel? Right. So, think about it. People talk, right? They say whatever. Talk is cheap. You want to know what a person really wants? Watch how they spend their time and how they spend their money. Think about what you did with your non-working time in the last week. Maybe we slept too, mu too much. You know, I mean, we're supposed to get about 3,300 minutes of sleep. We don't really need 7,000 minutes of sleep. Or 8,000 minutes. Some folks, you know, we do that, right? We'll just sleep. Now, I'm sympathetic to this. Especially right now, trust me. <laughs> It's tempting. But if we insist 
on plugging into our experience machine. Whatever that is. Now some folks, be, they'll be like, well, I'm better than everyone else. Because I don't watch television. I just spend my whole life outside alone in the woods. <laughs> Come on. Nothing wrong with being in the woods. Spending some time alone with God or alone with your family. But if that's all we're ever doing, then why are we here? Jesus, who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, intentionally took time to serve his people. He got on his hands and knees and he washed their feet, which is not like washing the foot of a 21st century person who has good hygiene. Okay? People are poor, not really great, not good stuff. It's the stuff you do. It's the stuff you have servants for. It's the, stuff, it's the job you give to people you don't like. Okay? It's like watching the Bills and hoping they're going to win. It's the job you give to people you don't like. No offense, Sean. <laughs> That's how I feel these days, all right? It's been, it's been 18 years, 18 years, and I was alive for it all. I'm getting old. <laughs> I remember when the Bills were in the Super Bowl, like 20-something years ago. I'm getting old. So, <laughs> that's right, God is a Bills fan. So, here's the thing. A lot of times, we want to spend our minutes, you know, so we'll say, well, all right, John, I'm going to spend my minutes preaching at my kids, or I'm going to spend my minutes preaching at people I love. Well, good luck with that. Right. Because, I mean, how, do people really listen? Let's be fair. When you're just preaching at them, they don't really listen that well. I know I don't. I think, I'm, okay, here's the thing. Let's just be real for a minute. Adults, we're silly people. Because we will say, well, I don't know it all. But then if someone tries to teach us something, what do we immediately do? Right. Argue with them about why they're wrong. Ignore. We don't know what we're talking about. But we'll still argue with them. Somehow what I think is right. Why? Oh, because. Because it's what I think. We're not good at listening. We're not good at taking correction. Especially from people who are not invested in us. And this is the key. Because how we spend our minutes investing will affect how we can spend our minutes teaching. Jesus taught out of his lifestyle. You see, we have a tendency to, to love the way of power. We stand on our, behind our lectern, our pulpit. We stand on our soapbox. Everybody has their own little pulpit. And we pound it. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Or you're terrible. We see it in our culture today. Some folks have traded, traded away their Protestant guilt and embraced secular guilt instead. Same same concept, you just, have, you just call it different stuff. We've traded away our Catholic guilt and traded it for Protestant guilt. We've traded away our liberal guilt and embraced conservative guilt. We just traded one soapbox for another. 
We do it at home all the time. But here's the thing. A lot of times we're so busy talking, we're so busy teaching, that we don't notice that what we're saying is completely missing where the person really is. And you know why we don't notice that? It's because we're so busy talking that we're not invested in them at all. We're just talking at them. And then we can't figure out why they ignore us. Well, they ignore us because nothing we said is relevant to their situation. We just spout off a bunch of stuff. We just start quoting scripture. We're like, well, we're just going to start quoting scripture because that'll solve everything. Well, okay. Does the scripture have anything to do with, the, with what they're going through? Well, you have no idea. Why? Because we're not listening. Ah. We love the way of power, naturally. We want to take control. We want to have the power. But Christ says that real leadership in the home, in the world, in the church, is the way of love, is the way of service, not the way of power. We don't have a power story in the church. We have a love story. We have a power of love story. We don't have a love of power story. Those are different. Seems like a play on words, but they are pointing in different directions. We too often are like the sons of thunder. The sons of Zebedee, James and John, who came to Jesus and asked him to be in charge. And Jesus said, well, all right. If you're willing to die and suffer, great, come with me. I mean, can you imagine the President of the United States getting down and washing someone's feet? No, right? I certainly cannot. By the way, that's been true for every president that I've seen. I couldn't imagine any of them doing that. And yet, Christ says that's what real leadership is. That's what real teaching is. We have a tendency to want to teach with our mouth first, but we can't. We have to teach with our life first. We have to invest first. We have to use the rhythms of family, right? Every family has a rhythm. We get up. Kids are hungry. Maybe the kids pretend they're not hungry or they, don't re- or they forget they're hungry until they get to school or they're almost at school and then they're cramming down food to get them out the door. Or maybe they're like my daughter where she's hungry every like hour. <laughs> but you get up. You live life, there's a rhythm to life. In and out, right? Somewhere in that rhythm, we can find a way to be intentional. How are you doing today? What, what did you learn in school? What, did you, what was work like today? How can I serve you? Not, hey, kid, give me a drink. Not that. Yeah, I know you're tired. Okay. But leadership is service. You want to have real estate in the lives of the people around you, you have to show that you actually care about them. 
Otherwise, a lot of times people will perceive truth when you tell it at them. When we speak truth to people, a lot of times they perceive it as us trying to grab power over them. The enemy does this. Right? All of those things that we're ashamed of. All those things, right, that he accuses us of. He went before God, right, in the book of Job, and he talks about how Job only loves God because God takes care of him. He's the accuser. It's what he does. He uses truth to destroy. Christ uses truth to redeem and to rebuild. But we, we have trouble believing people want to help us unless they're invested in us. It is difficult to teach out of a lifestyle that is always pointed in the wrong direction. Jesus was always pointed in the right direction. Now, I don't mean to be tough. I'm being tough on myself too. But I want to bring some things home for us. That how we spend our time matters. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. Because one of the key elements of leadership is service. Another key element is humility. Don't look at me. I'm pointing to Jesus. We must be willing to invest first. We must be willing to invest our time. That's the first place we start. Because, I mean, really, money goes. Money comes and goes. So, I mean, is it really a good investment to invest our time in money? Especially right now. You know what I mean? Like, the, do- the dollar is worth 95% less than it was 100 years ago. It's going to be worth less in 20 years than it is now. So, I mean, why, why should we invest so much time chasing something that's, not, that's going to be worth even less later than it is now? That doesn't make sense. Sometimes we have to use our actions, we have to use our lifestyle as a what-to-avoid lesson. (laughs) And this takes humility. This is where real humility comes in. In places of leadership, it's important in the home, in the church, in the world, it's important for us to be willing to say, yeah, I was wrong. That was sinful. And then your children, your spouse, the world around you, the people you know, the other members of the church, they have an opportunity to extend grace to you. But if you're always right, they never get a chance to practice grace. I mean, how... This this might get me, just some thrown at me, but how can your children ever learn to practice grace? If you're never wrong. 
I'll just feel free to remind me of that one as I go on in fatherhood. <laughs> I will need to be reminded because I might say outwardly, oh, I'm, I'm not always right, but in my head, my default position is, of course I'm right. <laughs> so I, I need a little help with that. <laughs> but we need to learn to serve and teach out of service, out of humility, out of genuine investment, because Scarlet is a much better investment of my time than getting money. And she always will be. Emily is a must, much better investment of my time. Now, I have to go to work and pay the bills. Right? We've got to do that. But I don't need to continue to chase it. Just getting that next dollar. Just getting that next dollar. I don't need to do that. When we teach out of our lifestyle, when we teach out of that, then we're in a place where we can really impact people around us. Because we're not just pounding a soapbox. It was the strangest thing when I was a kid. And uh, I'm listening to, you know, we're, we're at church and we're talking about grace and love and compassion. I'm like, I don't know, 10, maybe less, maybe younger. And uh, then someone in my family was like, yeah, all right, let's go home and watch the war. Because the Gulf War was on. And it was on TV. Like, you could watch it. And I remember thinking how strange that was. What a confusing thing that was to teach. We will talk about the love of God, about how people are valuable, and then we would go home and watch humans kill other humans. Like real ones. We're not, we're not talking about the fake ones, which of course is not dangerous at all. Um, it's, it's heady, right? What we teach to our children, what we teach to the world, what we teach to each other really matters. And not just what we say, but a lot of times what we do. What are we saying? What, what do we really value? So we have to take time to, to build relationship. Do you know why I care about what God thinks of me? I care because he died for me. I don't care what Allah thinks. He didn't die for me. I don't care what Brahma, I mean, Brahma doesn't think anyway. He's like a force. I don't care what Vishnu thinks. He didn't die for me either. I don't care what Buddha thinks. That guy actually abandoned his family to go seek enlightenment. That's fatherhood. I care what God thinks because he died for me. Because he paid a price for me. Because I'm worth something to him.
the people in your life know that you're worth something to them, they will listen. They might not always do what you think they should, but they will listen. But you've got to be willing to show them how much they're worth. In our heads, like, well, of course they know how much they're worth. Well, do they really? Because when we come home and all we want to do is sit in front of the television and we don't talk, how do they know? When we, grab, when we take them and we stick them in front of the iPad or the computer and they're just sitting in front of the television all day, how can they possibly know? Can the TV love them? No. But we can. We teach out of love because love and truth are intertwined. Because God is both love and truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And God says, God is love. You can't have one without the other. If you have love without truth, you'll be in love with a mirror. And if you have truth without love, you won't have any friends. And nobody will listen to you. The Christian life is community. It's communal. Family life is communal. Right? We've got to get out of our heads that Christianity is just me, God, and my Bible. All right? That worked great for John the Baptist. But John the Baptist is the greatest man who's ever lived, according to Jesus. So that's not even an argument. That's fine for him. I'm not the greatest man who ever lived. I need community. So do all of you. Christianity is a communal thing. It's something we pursue together. What are we doing with our minutes? What are we doing with our minutes? Jesus gets on his knees and Peter, he can't take it, right? He says, Lord, why are you washing my feet? And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. Jesus marked his disciples by serving them. Not by owning them, not by lording it over them. He owned them and marked them by serving them. What are we doing with our minutes? I want to encourage you. We're tempted to overcorrect. We're tempted to walk away feeling really guilty sometimes. I'm terrible. Look at all these, all this wasted time. Can't do that because we'll just waste more time worrying about how much time we wasted. The beauty of the gospel is that every single day walking with Christ can be a new day. 
The gospel is rooted in new creation, in new beginnings. If this has been a struggle for you, I'd encourage you to get with your family and pray together. Start just something simple with that. Just get together and make a habit of praying some point in the day. It's little steps. Don't sit thinking about how bad of a person you are because you haven't prayed. It's useless. Completely useless to do that. C.S. Lewis once wrote that the present is worth time touches eternity. You gain nothing by lamenting the past or worrying about the future. So just worry about what you have right now. So right now, let's take some time and pray together. Let's take some time and talk about the gospel together. Let's, mom and dad, illustrate the gospel to our kids. Let's serve them. Talking to myself too. There's been plenty of times in the last few weeks when I'm carrying my daughter around the living room trying to get her to stop crying. And I would be going, you're okay, it's okay, you know, those cutesy things you say to kids. And, uh, and in my head I'm going, be quiet! <laughs> I need to go to bed! <laughs> it's only beginning. But I want to encourage you that God has placed people in your life because he knows You are what they need. This is an incarnational thing. We are walking temples of the Holy Spirit. We carry the intersection of heaven and earth wherever we go. God put people in your life, whether they're your children, whether they're people you know, whether they're people in the church, they're people at work, whoever they are, they're in your life because they need you. Because you are going to minister the gospel to them through your life and through your words. You can do that. Why? Because God will empower you to do it. And you don't need to have a PhD in theology. I don't have one. Pastor Dan doesn't have one either. Right? You don't have one of those. No, he doesn't. Okay. Huh? Oh yeah, you don't need it. Yeah. You don't need it. Because we teach out of our lives, we take time and we invest in the people we know. So, it'll it'll be in our spiritual formation sheets, but I want you to take stock, just, and don't get too down on yourself, this week, when you have time. I want you to set aside, when you have time, I want you to set aside time. Set aside time. Make time to do this. Sit down. What do you do with your day? Sit down together if you're married with your spouse, with your children. What do you do with your day? So, you know, when we're handling money, we'll be like, oh, I don't spend that much money. And then we go look at the bank account online and you're like, oh, 
How did that happen? Oh no. Right. Why did that happen? Because we weren't watching. We just create this idea. Oh, I don't do that much. I don't do this. Sit down and actually write down how you're spending your time. And then pray and decide what you're going to do about that. Maybe we need to carve in some time to pray together as a family. Maybe, mom and dad, you need to be more intentional about serving your children. Like serving your children. Speaking to myself too. Maybe we need to be more intentional about talking about the gospel. Maybe we never talk about it. Just take some time. How do you spend your time? And then go from there. Remember, what you love will manifest in how you spend your time and your money. So I want to encourage you that God loves you, that Jesus loves you, that he created you with a purpose to reflect his glory into the world around you, into the lives of the people that you know. And I want to challenge you. (laughs) Holly, I want to challenge you that because he has done those things, we need to be willing to look at how we spend our time and make changes when necessary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are a good Father. That you did not just sit back and explain to us why we're bad, but that you joined us and you changed us forever. God, we pray that you would be with us today, that you would be with our dads. This is a cool day to celebrate dads. That you would encourage them, that you would fill them with renewed vigor, that you would make them a picture of the gospel to their families. God, we pray that you would make this church a picture of the gospel to Lackawanna. That it would be a picture of who God is to the world. Because that is why you have called us. We pray, God, that you would inspire us to take a real good look at how we spend our time. And that with renewed passion, we would learn to live more of it for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.